Welcome to... Hey, Great Shot. This is the Great Shot Podcast, a Crack Rackets and Tennis Channel Podcast Network production. My name is Alex Gruskin. It really is ridiculous to think that we are less than two weeks away from the kickoff of the 2021 ATP and WTA seasons. Of course, that means we are also inching closer to the start of the 2021 ITA tennis schedule. All of us tennis fans looking forward to college tennis resuming however it may look. And while we're still waiting to see what the schedules will actually look like for so many of these top teams. Of course, we know what the rosters are going to look like, and here at Cracked Rackets, we want to get all of you listeners prepared for who the top teams will be this 2021 season. Of course, that means we've been doing our College Contender Series these past seven weeks, breaking down our top 11 men's teams heading into the season. Of course, thus far, every week you've been able to hear Chris, Matt, and I break down these teams on this podcast. You've been able to hear Chris and I chat with the head coaches of these schools on the Cracked Interviews podcast and of course you've been able to read Matt's work on the website and by the way if you have missed anything so far be sure to find our entire college contender series on that website crackrackets.com and of course we carry on on today's show with our college contender series as we mentioned last week from here on in it's all teams we think can legitimately end May as the 2021 NCAA national championship winning team it's what makes this college tennis season so particularly exciting is that there are so many teams that have elite levels of talent and joining me today to break down another one of those teams the two other members of our college tennis holy trinity here at Crack Rackets let's start where we always start you know him as your favorite writer on our website crackrackets.com a former four-star recruit on tennisrecruiting.net and of course a man we affectionately refer to as Matt the Crack Sikoyak Matty hey great shot welcome back to the show happy holidays my friend how are you doing Doing great, man. Doing great. Just getting ready, like you said, for the holidays here. Looking forward to a little bit of time off this weekend. Should be fun. Spend some time with the family and everything. But uh, yeah, ready to get into uh, this week's episode. Should be a good one and uh, excited for college tennis to start up soon. That's actually a perfect segue to start off our show because Chris and I were talking a little bit before you hopped on the Skype pod, uh, the Skype audio feed, whatever it's called. And my question for you, Maddie, Nick Stachowiak, Alex Gruskin, who do you like more? Who do I like more in terms of what? Tennis? I mean, well, the first of all, the fact that you didn't answer that uh, unequivocally as Nick, I'll take that as a win right off the bat. But I was just talking in general. I was telling Chris, you know, I was going to ask who you like more, me or him, but I think that's a pretty obvious answer. Um, so then I was like, what if I ask him me or Nick? And I, I, I thought you might lean my direction. No, I mean, you just mean like overall as a person <laughs> or I mean, if that's the case, I, I definitely have to go with Nick. I mean, obviously, on, on the tennis court, there's no question there. Maybe if we're talking about, like, drinking, I would go with you. Um, you know, that I have to kill it, Maddie. Come on. Yeah, I mean, I may give you a little <laughs> nod there. But if we're just talking overall, like, who would I rather probably talk to on a daily basis? I'm going with Nick. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, first of all, Nick Stokoyak must be the world's worst drinker if he is a worse drinker than me. But I will take that title nevertheless. But of course, no. Just wanted to have a little fun with you to kick things off because I feel like I don't give your intro as much love as I do the second member of our Holy Trinity I'm about to bring in. But nevertheless, when I say favorite Cracked Rackets writer, Maddie, of course, I am talking about my own personal views. But of course, joining us also on the podcast, you know him as the forefather of the College Tennis Ranks formula. Predictions never far from the listed UTR. One of the many dames to root for the Liberty Flames. Lover of Almond Joys, lover of Mothers, the Cracked Rackets Professor, the Cracked Rackets Snitch, and this holiday season in that spirit, the Cracked Rackets Grinch, or at least the man who looks like him the most. It's Chris Hallioris. Chris, hey, great shot as always. You look fantastic. How are you doing this holiday season? Man, I am doing great. Got to witness some good tennis this weekend, which was which was awesome uh and uh you know see some see a bunch of folks so i'm i'm uh, ready for the holiday season yeah it is that time of year it's crazy to think again we're like three weeks away from the start of the college tennis season and quickly before we get to our team today chris you mentioned this when we were chatting beforehand so it does look like these teams are starting to release their schedules slowly do you have any insight about maybe when we might get a big wave of them i'm hearing first you know they, they got to have them by the first yeah i i think it's going to be you know they're they're just kind of waiting to see if any any last minute things shake out i think the case for a lot of these schools you know and i know obviously with some of the guys i know best in talking to them they're all they've got to kind of be back and in and around campuses you know around the first because they've got to come in especially with all the international kids, do a little quarantining, get some tests uh, and make sure all's good to go. So they've really got to be around for a good week before they get to go do anything. And then a lot of these schools are starting to schedule kind of their first sets of matches around that January 8th, uh, you know, time frame. So, so they're all going to be hitting back to campus around the first of the year. And that's about the time we I'd expect to start seeing all the schedules come out. Yeah, and, you know, again, talking to all of these coaches, it's going to be regional-based. We've talked so much about that. They're going to see their conference foes multiple times over the course of the season, so get used to some interconference battles. Of course, that's very exciting because so many of these conferences are at least two, three, four schools deep at this point. But, yeah, that's something definitely we will have to monitor and something perhaps we will talk about next week. As you do imagine, we will start to get a wave of schedules come out as we approach the start of the season, January. 2021. But uh, with that in mind, we still have to go through our top four teams here heading into this season. That is where we are at in our college contenders rankings. With that in mind, Westoff, give me that college contender sound effect. All right, Maddie, we are here in the top four and our number four school is the Ohio State Buckeyes. Now, of course, the Buckeyes have been so good over these last 10 seasons. By the way, quick tangent, probably should have done this before we started College Contenders, but whatever. I sent out a tweet this weekend, and it was literally like I had just rolled out of bed. And Chris, you know what I do when I just roll out of bed. That is me at my groggiest. That is me when I am thinking my least. Uh, And so I saw a tweet from the Oklahoma men's tennis team that sort of listed their accomplishments the past 10 years. And I was like, oh, Who are my top 10 schools these past 10 years? Let me throw Oklahoma in the mix. They make three NCAA finals in a row. I believe they uh, end up 
I think it was uh, they have that doubles pairing Andrew Harris and Spencer Papa who win an NCAA individual title in doubles as well. I was like, let me just throw some names in there just to make things controversial. And the amount of reception I got from that, bravo to you, Cracked Rackets listeners. I always appreciate nothing more than being told that I'm wrong. You all told me exactly why I was wrong by putting Illinois in the top 10, and I admit. I was wrong. But guess what? That happens every so often as well. But something I don't think we are wrong about, Maddie, is having this team in our top five, considering this week's team a national title contender. And that's the number four Ohio State Buckeyes. Now, of course, again, the Buckeyes, a staple of the college tennis world, really since Ty Tucker took over back in 2000, 2001 range. But, uh, you know, they bring back another elite team coming off of a fairly elite season. They were 14-3 and in 2020, semifinalists at the National Indoors. Most notably, they're the only team on the season, I believe, to beat the National Indoor winning USC Trojans. Now, that matchup was indoors in Columbus, something that will always favor the Buckeyes. And, you know, the moment the Buckeyes went outdoors last season, they started to struggle. But just when you look back at the 2020 season from what we saw, pretty successful from Ohio State for the first two months, correct? Oh, yeah, there's no question. I mean, they started the season and ripped off 13 straight matches. I mean, that's that's ridiculous, you know, in and of itself there. But we know that Ohio State is always good indoors. I mean, this is every single year. We know they're going to come out early, you know, during the early portions of seasons and really be successful because that's that's where they excel. That's their game, indoor tennis. Um, and last year was no different. You know, I, I think that match against North Carolina that they played at the indoors, you guys were there. I mean, I think they'd be a little bit disappointed by that. I mean, they it, it was – I don't want to say it was ugly, but it was kind of ugly. I mean, a couple of those matches were just lopsided. I mean, straight sets, losses. They were off the court pretty quickly. The top couple courts were competitive, but – I think that's a match that, you know, Ty Tucker and the Buckeyes would look back on and say, we could have been a lot more competitive, but obviously we look at North Carolina now and, you know, with how good they are, it's really not that poor of a loss. Um, but then you transition outdoors, and this is always the question with Ohio State. How are they going to do when we get to the outdoor portion of the season? They go on the road and drop those couple of matches, Alex, like you mentioned, to Georgia and Stanford. You know, and you just start to scratch your head a little bit and go, okay, here we go again. Are, are they going to be able to do this outdoors? I mean, I just think the talent that they have, if we would have continued the season, you know, they were getting into Big Ten play. I would have imagined that they would have ripped through the conference again like they always do, would have won the Big Ten tournament and been just fine, well positioned for the NCAAs, you know, last May, if we would have would have gotten there. So I think this year again, I expect them to come out and, and play well from the beginning, but I think it's a team with a lot of upside that can get better throughout the course of the season. And, you know, if they can prove to play outdoors, yeah, I think they can go all the way. They're a top four team for a reason. You wrote in your article about the biggest question for the Buckeyes being how will they transition indoors, uh, outdoor, from indoors to outdoors because, of course, as you mentioned over these past 10 years, 15 years, they've been so successful in the indoor season. But, you know, you, you talk about them, and, and we'll get back to that question, I promise, later on in the pod. But you started off by talking about how they ripped off, what, their first 13 matches of the season, yep. right? And that's the second consecutive year they had that sort of win streak. However, I think we'll all agree this win streak was nothing like the 2019 teams with J.J. Wolf at number one. That team wins its first 16 matches. They win the national indoors in that streak. 
streak. Their closest match during that 16-match run was the 4-2 final. They played against Wake, and, you know, they didn't play a single 4-3 match. Obviously, this team and the big thing for that UNC semifinal, Chris, and again, context always matters, that Wake Forest match was the best match of the 2020 college tennis season. We were there in person, and look, that was a four-hour battle. And anytime you play a four-hour no-ad match, I mean, it felt like Kyle Selig, I've, I've said this before, I have nightmares where it's just an endless rally, right? Where no matter what you try, it just doesn't end. You're running ragged side to side to side. That was Selig versus Stafalu at four singles, right? That was some of the most fun tennis we saw all season. And you could just tell the Buckeyes were absolutely drained when they had to play UNC the next day. But I mean, Chris... The 4-2 win they got over USC in Columbus, the fact that Cannon Kingsley was as good as any player we saw in Wisconsin last year, uh, I think Ohio State had, you know, they look back at 2020 and they probably view it, Robbie Cash and McNally, the number one doubles team in the country, they probably view it as a huge success. Well, there's no doubt about it. And I think they probably look at the same thing coming into this year. And even though we haven't seen the official schedule, I think they're looking forward to being able to do the same thing because in all likelihood, they will be playing probably nothing but home matches until the conference season. Uh, and from everything that, that I'm hearing, that conference season is going to, you know, once they get, they may even get a short non-conference season. The Big Ten's basically saying, hey, you guys play to your conference foes. You're going to play twice in your, you know, if you're East like Ohio State is, you're going to play everybody twice in the East and once in the West. And that's your schedule. Um, so, you know, and you, if you look at the prospects of that being the schedule, uh, that combined with a bunch of home matches indoors that you never lose, no matter who you're playing, even if it's USC, right. Uh, then, you know, you've got a chance. I mean, there's a good chance that, you know, they go to NCAs with, you know, none or one loss, (laughs) Yeah, and, you know, we talk with Coach Tucker. You can all hear that interview on the Cracked Interviews podcast. First of all, no one, you want to hear a funny description of that UNC-Ohio State match? Go listen to the way Coach Tucker talks about it in the interview. Just pretty much dismissive of the match. She's like, look, it was like 45, 50 minutes, and that's about right. Um, and <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a very funny moment. For- 43. <laughs> yeah, and you know. And you know he's correct, right? You know he, like, looked back at the stats, and he's like, 43 minutes, that's the third shortest match in Ohio State history. The other two we were on the winning side of, back to the analytics. But, um, no, Coach Tucker, and you could tell. I mean, this is a roster he knows really, really well at this point, and we can start to get into that roster, and we continue to joke about it. I'm sure we will beat this dead horse all season long. Uh, The Benjamin Button of college tennis, Kyle Selig, returns as a fifth-year senior. Selig been so good in both singles, but then last season, of course, uh, really made a leap forward in doubles. You bring back McNally. You bring back everyone. Every single starter that played last season uh, is on the team this year. Uh, And then, of course, they add J.J. Tracy. Let's start there, Matt, because, again, you talk about Tracy a little bit in your article. He's a guy who we expect to contribute right away, despite the amount of talent on this Buckeyes lineup, right? We will be shocked if he is not playing somewhere in the singles lineup to both start and end the season. Yeah, that's right. I, w- I would definitely agree with that. I think he's just far too talented. And and he may not play high, you know, right away. I mean, they have enough guys that can play, you know, that top half of the lineup. It could be lower to start off, especially indoors. But, 
that's a guy that that coach Tucker is going to want in his lineup just to get matches in the beginning of the season so that by the time they get to the postseason, you know, he's really rocking and rolling. So I, I think he's going to be able to contribute, you know, in, in multiple ways right off the bat. He's, he's that good. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And we got the chance to see him in person this summer at one of our Cracked Rackets Opens. And I mean, He's got a forehand, he's got a serve, he's got movement that's just ready for college tennis. And you know Coach Tucker is going to maximize those strengths this first season. Now, I do think his backhand gets a little bit flat. His his serve very sliced base. It's interesting. But, I mean, there was just this casualness about him. Look, if you watch enough tennis players, I know this is going to sound stupid because everyone looks good on TV. But if you watch enough college guys, you watch enough of the various levels, you can tell the people who've got it and who don't. And he's got it. Like it, this is an eye test thing as well as the stats. He was one of the top recruits. He was what a, I think a semifinalist, quarterfinalist, or, or no finalist, excuse me, at the Easter Bowl in 2019. Easter Bowl, of course, one of the premier junior events on the calendar. Yeah, I think he's an absolute stud, and I think he also answers a big question for the Buckeyes, Chris, because you look at where they struggled, I suppose, the most last season by win percentage. And look, they were pretty good everywhere, but uh, the the position. That jump out to me seven and five at number three singles. Obviously, that's something we'll talk about in a second. But then, you know, eight and three at number six and eight and three sounds good, but that's the second fewest wins in the lineup. And I think we could tell Chris again in each of those matches against uh, USC at the number six position, I believe uh, they went ahead and I think that match was undecided. But against Wake, that's a flight they lost against North Carolina. That's a flight they lost against Georgia. That's a flight they lost. I think that addition of Tracy is going to be massive for their lineup because it does give it. It felt like they were a player short last year is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, and I think, and to, to Maddie's point, it, I don't think it'll be high. I think I think we'll see Tracy. It's going to be in the four, five, six spot, and and likely to be you know likely to be initially in the five, six spot, and probably between. You know, he and Justin Boulay probably in the in the five, six positions. But definitely, if you can push, uh, you know, how nice would it be to take a kid like Justin Boulay, who you were playing at, say, four or five last year and push him down to six where you weren't as good uh, and and him and him playing OK where he was that that's the spot that you needed. You needed that strength at. So, yeah, the addition of J.J. Tracy, whether he's playing what I think will be five or six initially will be tremendous for, for that lineup. I mean, it's a big, big boost for them. Yeah, and even again, it's the bottom half of the lineup. By the way, they were 8-3 and three at the number 6 singles position last year. That's not bad, but again, it's against Wake, North Carolina, Stanford. They take losses against Georgia. It's undecided. When you play the best teams in the country, you need someone at that number 6 position to solidify the bottom half of your lineup. And Robbie Cash is a fantastic doubles player, and I think he's going to be a really, really good college. T- he's going to have a really good college tennis career. But you know, as a freshman, there were times when he struggled. He's a guy who wants to move forward. He's a guy who plays an unconventional style, and I just think you know the ability to throw Tracy in there, and now in that bottom f- uh, three, you have a mixture. And who knows if Seedling stays at three singles during the season? But you now have a mixture of 
<clears throat> Trotter and Boulay and Cash and Tracy and, you know, they get J.J. Mercer, uh, you know, Andrew Lutzing and uh, the, the ghost of Tim Siebert, of course, you always wonder about. They just have a bunch of options now. And, you know, that sort of gets into the roster projections that gets into the projected lineup, Manny. How do you think see things breaking out for the Buckeyes? Yeah, I mean, I think we can look back to last year, right, and get a, a pretty good idea. And Chris kind of mentioned about Tracy coming in where he'll fit. And I agree with that, at least, you know, early on. So what I would do in kind of the way that I see this, I would go, I think Cannon Kingsley's going to step into number one, no question about it. I mean, he came to Ohio State. I mean, that's the reason, you know, he came there. He he can assume that role. I know he primarily played at number two last year, uh, but I think that changes. This guy is one of the best players in the country. There's no question about it. So I like Kingsley at one, and that allows John McNally to play two, which I think is where he fits really well. I mean, can he play one? Sure. I mean, he did it last year. You know, he can handle it, but I think he wins, you know, even more at number two. And then for me, Kyle Seelig, you guys will remember I said this all year last year, he's number three. I don't care what anybody says. Kyle Seelig's number three. You can't change my mind. Todd Tucker couldn't even change my mind on that. Um, So I would put... (laughs) <laughs> Kingsley, McNally, and Steelig as the top three, and I feel very, very good about that. Early on during the indoor portion, I would probably lean with playing Trotter at four just because of his indoor game. I just I think it makes sense, and obviously J.J. Tracy's super young, right? This guy's just coming in. He needs to get his feet wet a little bit. So I'd probably go Trotter at four, J.J. Tracy at five, and I would really like to slide Justin Boulay down to number six. I think that lineup right there gives you a fantastic chance to beat really anybody in the country, certainly indoors, but even outdoors. I'll roll those six out against pretty much anybody and take my chances. That's how I'd do it. And of course, that goes without even talking about the doubles lineup, right? Where we know a Ty Tucker team is always going to come out strong oh, in yeah. doubles. Chris, your thoughts on the lineup, how you see things breaking out in singles? Yeah, I, th- I mean, I- I'm exactly there with Maddie. I think that's exactly the lineup I would throw out there. Now, you know, Ty Tucker is probably just going to go, yeah, well, just because you guys said that, we're going to do exactly the <laughs> every pair. And we're going to go. Yep, McNally at six. Yeah. No, but I, yeah, you have, you know, <laughs> I think we all go, look, one, two is McNally Kingsley. We like Kingsley in, at one, McNally two. He could flip him. Three, four, I think is uh, at least early. I don't think Tracy gets there right away, is going to be. Seelig and and Trotter and I I'm with Maddie. I play Kyle Seelig's the guy that's been there for 27 years. He's gonna yep. you know you know what you're getting. Uh, that's who I play at three and I play Trotter at four. Uh, yep. But he could flip them and then I go Trace I go Tracy five and Boulay six. So. Uh, we've talked about the bottom of the lineup. I want to talk a little bit about the top of the lineup because I think it's a fascinating conundrum for Ohio State at the number one and number two singles position for two reasons. And I want to start with the John McNally side of the equation. McNally now, 
uh, I believe he's 52 and 11 in his career in dual matches in singles over the first three uh, over his first three seasons, and obviously that's phenomenal. And we talked about his contributions, you know, at the number two and three singles position, really in uh, for that national championship winning team, his, his ability or chat, excuse me, that national finals uh, team where it was Torp one, Wolf two, McNally three. His contribution there at three singles, and then, you know, this is a. It's a superficial thing, uh, but this is something I saw at the National Indoors, and I will fully admit to bias. Uh, anytime I see the McNally parents, I will go over. I will give Big John a hug, or at least I'll attempt to until he slaps me away and he goes, what are you doing? And I'm like, sorry, sorry, sorry. Just That's how I operate. But, uh, you know, huge fan of the McNallys. The point is to say, Chris, we saw that match against Will Blumberg, and, you know, even though the night before McNally lost in straight sets to Botzer, Blumberg blitzes McNally in that first set. 6-2 in a blink of the eye. And we were both on the commentating saying, oh, it's Blumberg Blumberging. This guy's the best player in college tennis. No one's going to have answers for him. And then in a snap of your fingers, McNally took that second set 6-1. And I just think when you look at the pedigree, and I know, you know, he wasn't great last season at the number one singles position. And you look at his losses to guys like Botzer and Henning and Geller. And for Ohio State to be a national championship winning team, he needs to win those matches. But you could just tell in that national indoor semifinal, Chris, he wasn't afraid. And I think in a year where there are so many good teams, when there's so much talent up and down the roster, like if it's, you know, if it's Stanford, Ohio State playing uh, in, the na- in the quarterfinals, I want John McNally on my team because that's a guy who's played the biggest matches, who's been in the biggest moments. And I just, I don't know. Do you play him at one or two? Because that gets to part two of this equation. And I apologize to you both for the monologue. I, I get to do this now that we're in the top five. I have a lot of thoughts on these teams. But I also think part two of that equation, you know, McNally's got to be the John McNally who is locked in each and every match. But part two is if Ohio State is to win the national championship, then Cannon Kingsley needs to become the best player in the country. And if not the very best, then unequivocally one of the top five. And I think all of us would agree, given what he showed during his freshman season, he's absolutely capable of that. He was 19-3 and overall, 12-1 uh, and in dual matches. He, you know, One of his three losses was to Daniel Kukerman during the individual season. He beats the Cookie Monster in straight sets when they play in Columbus. And you know his other loss, Trent Bride, okay, that's a three-set lost fine he loses his very first college match to Riley Smith you can throw that out because he just I mean former U.S. Open junior semifinalist and we talked about this a little bit with Ty Chris and again this is the end of my monologue I promise but you have the twofold one no doubt Cannon Kingsley's got the skills got the game to be one of the best players in college tennis part two of that equation is John McNally is as experienced as match tough as any player in college tennis I think it's a real question for coach Tucker who plays one who plays two and I know you talked about leaning the way of Kingsley just curious your thoughts on that monologue well you know the, the big the big part of that that I don't know the answer to because I'm not you know I'm not there and I don't know what's in those guys heads to some extent is coach Tucker's got to manage that not just from where he thinks he's got the best chance to win, but from how's that going to be taken by the guys? I don't know, you know, it, are both of those guys saying, hey, coach, put me wherever you want that we need to win. That's where I want to play. Or is one of them saying, you know, like, I want to be playing one. That's what I want. And, you know, and then you have to deal with, if that's not the lineup you want to put out there, 
you still need, you need to make sure you got kids that are motivated to play and hopefully, you know, they're in it for the team aspect and they're going to play whatever they have to play. Again, if it's me, all things being equal and both kids have no, no preference whatsoever. They just say, you make the call. We want to win whatever you think is best. I play Kingsley one. I mean, I just think that you've got more upside with Kingsley at one McNally. We all know what you're going to get out of him. He's rock solid. He'll be ridiculous at two. And if he can, you know, if you can get that from from John at two and almost a lock win there, and the and I think Kingsley has a better shot at playing those top top guys on, you know, the elite guys on the teams that you need to beat to win an NCAA title. That's the way you put the lineup to go after it. Yeah. So Maddie, be the tiebreaker here. Here's my counter to Chris. And by the way, we saw John McNally at two singles at the 2019 National Indoors in person. At that event, he beat Ito. He played Hrisokos essentially to a draw, which is what the Buckeyes needed him to do. Keep Petros on the point don't, uh, on the court. Don't let him put an easy point on the board for Wake Forest. Um, but the flip side of that is, and I know Kingsley isn't a freshman anymore, but technically it's still the completion of his first season. But that 2017 UNC team, Blumberg was better than Schneider. Everyone knew it. Ronnie knows it. He talks about it openly now. Uh, Will makes the finals of the NCAA in singles, and he doesn't lose a match during the—or I think he lost one match during the entire dual match season at the number two spot. Meanwhile, much like Ronnie in John, you have a guy who's definitely one of the top 30 players in college tennis who on his best days can beat any number one singles player in the country. Uh, That being said, having him at two, I'm sure, is fine as well. Which way do you lean? Yeah, I think you know which way I lean. I I said that when I when I stated my lineup. I just I, well, I thought maybe I talked you out. No, of it. no, good try, good try. Um, you make you make some okay points there, Gruskin. Decent at best, not not good points, but just decent at best. Um, I just think for me, I, I just I agree with Chris and everything that he said. I believe there is more upside with Kingsley. Kingsley was the guy when he got recruited there. This, like, he was supposed to be this guy, to assume the role, top player on the squad. McNally's going to be really, really good at two. I, and again, you know, your point about that North Carolina team, you know, a few years ago, I never really liked that decision. Like, honestly, when I saw that, Ronnie at one, Will at two, I was never a huge fan of that. So I I don't like that here either. I I just don't. I'm going to go Kingsley at one. I'm going to ride it out with McNally at two. And I'm I'm going to feel really good about that. I mean, you said yourself, Groskin, Kingsley can be a top five player in the country. I think we know that he has that ability. He's not a freshman anymore. I know he didn't play a full season, but he got a lot of good experience last year. I just, I think he's ready to take on that responsibility. Yeah, you know, talking about that 2017 UNC team, because that was one of my favorites. I mean, it's funny you said. I mean, they made the national final. They did. Right? Like they did. obviously, You're right. they, they they did pretty well. And with no Schnur, it was kind of like, look, you got to let Ronnie have his go at number one. Like it's his time. He has served his three years at number two. At the same time, by the way, speaking of the best big match players in college tennis history, not that we were, but if Robert Kelly was as good against NC State as he was against Virginia, that UNC team might have never lost a dual <laughs> match during like those that two three year stretch. Because talk about a guy. Who who has talent. And the reason I bring him up, he was one of those inflection point players for that North Carolina team. Chris, we both saw in person, how many big matches did it feel like James Trotter was in where it was two all three, two, two, three, and he's still on court and Tucker's essentially playing inside his pocket.
pocket and he's in his ear and it just felt like a lot came on Trotter's shoulders and he was a sophomore last season but it was really his first season contributing in the lineup and he goes 10 and 3 overall 5 and 1 in dual matches obviously got that big win against Wake Forest I mean, we were there. We saw him in person. There's a lot to like about this game. This is a kid who can hit the cover off the ball, but I don't know. Is he someone who you think, when I look at the lineup, I think it goes pretty distinctly Kingsley and and McNally, 1-2. Then I think it goes pretty clearly Seelig and Tracy going to end up 3-4. And then I have a bunch of guys scrapping out for that 5-6 equation. Where do you put James Trotter in that mix? Yeah, I, I still put him in the 3-4, and I think you you've, probably got him there for you know so trotters it's odd from the perspective of we all watch him and both the eye test as well as the results are great but for whatever reason and it all starts with freshman year right you just kind of have and those of us that get to see them maybe more than others and and see you know and look for this kind of thing he was in ty tucker's doghouse right i mean (laughs) <laughs> I mean, it's just, there's no bones about it. That's where he was. And so, so now I think you have some of that bias carrying forward and coach Tucker's letting go. So true. <laughs> but who do you think's more afraid of Ty Tucker, me or James Trotter? Uh, oh, James Trotter. Come on. <laughs> oh yeah. I don't know, man. He does. Especially no, that match against Wake when, T- I mean, you basically had Tucker pacing one yeah. sideline, Bresky pacing the other sideline and a fight about to break out between the coaches. It was awesome. I mean, uh, it was, again, best match of the 2020 the season. And by the way, guys, I was just going to say, those are the two guys, Ty Tucker and Tony Bresky, that you do not want to get in their doghouse. Those are the two uh, guys. Stay out of the doghouse or else you're in serious trouble. So quick follow-up to that thought, um, just two things. One, uh, yeah, you know, again, it, we, we're, we're poking fun a little bit here. You don't sign up to go to Ohio State unless you're ready to have Ty Tucker on your ass, right? Oh. You don't do that. You know what you're signing up for when you go there. So first of all, if anyone thinks this is a criticism of Ty Tucker, it's absolutely not. The results speak for themselves. And again, if you're going to be a Buckeye, you're going to live the Buckeye way. Ty Tucker rides his Buckeye's heart. That's just how life is. This is not criticism of that. I've said it many times before. If I have a kid who I think is for sure going to be a successful tennis player, I probably call Ty and I'm like, this hurts every fiber of my being. But will you take my kid on your team? Because I just know he's going to be good in your system because he loves tennis and you love tennis and whatever. Although if Ty Tucker is still coaching, I don't know, 45 years from now (laughs) when I maybe convince someone to let me adopt a child, uh, (laughs) then, you know, something might have gone wrong. But anyways, that was part one of that conversation. Part two of that conversation, quick tangent on that Ohio State Wake Forest match. There was a call at one point in the Nava Trotter match. And and by the way, I'm doing my top 10 lists of my favorite podcasts of 2020. Wow, this is a tangent on a tangent on a tangent. I'm doing my favorite podcast of 2020. And I in my list of things I'm considering tweeting out is the day two recap, Chris, that quarterfinal day when Michigan beats Texas, Ohio State, Wake Forest goes the distance, UNC rocks Florida, you know, USC does its thing against Stanford. That was one of my favorite podcasts that we did. But, you know, that match, 
I remember there, there was a close call and Bresky looks at me to like confirm it. Is it in? Is it out? And I was like, I just don't want to get involved in this match at all. I was just like, nope, that call was correct. I promise you. Like, yep, it was just out. And whether it was or not is a story for another time. But yeah, I, it's a very good point, Maddie. It was, and again, it's just, that's why college tennis is so good right now. When you have guys like Bresky and Tucker at the helm of these programs, it's going to lead uh, to highlights in Obviously, you know, when we talk about this Ohio State team, both in the conference and nationally, what we've come to expect is highlights from them. We expect them to compete year in, year out to win the biggest titles in college tennis, both at an individual and national level. And I guess, you know, to put a bow on the lineups here to sort of transition towards the conference standings, we haven't talked about their doubles lineup. But, you know, one through six, Matty, you you sort of alluded to this. But again, you know, outside of... It's not the way Baylor's got these huge names at the bottom of their lineup, the way we've seen the contributions from UNC at the bottom of their lineup, the rankings as well, uh, Wake Forest and the names they have. I guess from top to bottom, singles and doubles, what about this Buckeyes team in your mind has them in the national championship conversation? Yeah, I mean, I I think it's their doubles, for one, which we haven't really spent much time on. But of course, I mean, John McNally and Robbie Cash, right? Number one team in the country last year. They're studs. So Ty Tucker always has some of the best doubles teams every single year. I mean, year in, year out, you know the Buckeyes are going to play good doubles. So I think they're going to ride that again this year. And I just, I think that top of the lineup, man, when you look at guys like Kingsley, McNally, Selig, I'll roll them up against pretty much anybody in the country. You know, Sands maybe in North Carolina, but that I mean that's going to be pretty much everybody, and they'll and they'll go toe to toe. So I I feel really good about the top of that that top half of their lineup and their doubles. My questions are going like the difference between Ohio State finishing in the quarterfinals and them like going all the way. How many of those matches can they win at five and six? Like, how good is J.J. Tracy going to be right off the bat? Is he going to go undefeated at number five? Or is he going to go 50-50? Is he going to struggle a little bit? How does Justin Boulay do if he's down there at six? Like, for me, I don't worry about the top half of the lineup. I don't worry about the doubles. Four through six could be interesting. It really could. And that could be the difference. If they can get the kind of production they need out of those bottom three guys— four through six, then then they can go all the way. Yeah, I, I I think you put it perfectly, Maddie. I something you know why we have Ohio State as a top five team so frequently here at Cracked Rackets is because in every match they're going to play, except for against their fellow national chip championship contenders and maybe Michigan, uh, they start the match up one zero. Like it's just a fact they are up one zero, and the match calculus for them isn't finding four points; it's finding three points. And in college tennis, that's everything. And I guess, you know, again, Chris, you look at them compared to some of these other national championship contenders, these other top four schools we have. They have a .16 higher power six than Wake Forest. They are below UNC by .28. They are below Stanford by .33, and they are below USC uh, by point, I want to say, .25 there. That's some quick math for you. But, of course, we all know right now the UTR is a little bit slanted. I don't know, when you're looking for Ohio State's match calculus against the best teams, where do you see their recipe for four points in every match coming, Chris? 
Well, I mean, I think you're you're always looking at doubles. I mean, you're going to have a good shot at doubles no matter what, even against the best teams, even when you're playing North Carolina, right? I think you're you're looking for hey, let's get the doubles point, and they're gonna they're gonna be uh, you know a good a fifty percent or better shot uh, even against the elites at, at doubles. So I I think you like them there. I still you know I think with the addition of Tracy. They're going to get really much stronger down low, but I still think against the top teams, six is still going to be a little questionable. Uh, but they should be, I mean, they should have no problem thinking one through five, we can win three. You know, you you put those five up there, we got to win three, three out of five. Uh, I mean, one team has to win three out of five, and they got as good a shot as anybody. Uh, so... And and I really like the I really like thinking, hey, we're at least going to split with Kingsley and McNally. I mean, in most cases, we're probably going to win them both. But I mean, John should be if we play him at two should be ridiculous. Cannon, even against the top guys, is going to be a toss up and he's going to be favored against everybody else. So we're at least looking at a split there. Uh, And so then you come down to three, four, five. I mean, C-League. Sea uh, League and Trotter should, at a minimum, get you a split there. And I really like whoever they're going to throw at five, at being that low at five, playing either J.J. Tracy or Justin Boulay, probably Tracy. Uh, I think that's, you know, that's the calculus for them. Yeah, I, I they just seem to have so many shots. You know, in most matches, it's doubles. Okay, Sea League won as well, so we're up 2-0. Now we just have to find two more, right? Because Kyle Sea League is going to be so good at the number three singles position. Yeah, I mean, again, the the problem is there are so many stacked teams this season, and this gets us back to the big question that we have avoided for a little bit here, and it's the second they went outdoors last year, losses to Stanford, losses to Georgia, who bring back everyone and more this season. And, of course, you know, then you have all the other schools who they didn't play outdoors who brought back everyone as well. So is J.J. Tracy's addition to the roster enough to offset your concerns about their transition to outdoors this season, Matty? Or, you know, again, as you kind of write about, it seems like those questions still linger a little bit for you. Yeah, I mean, those questions are going to linger until they prove it. And and they could easily prove it. I mean, that's the thing here. You know, the addition of Tracy just doesn't make me go, oh, okay, now all of a sudden this is the best outdoor team in the country. I mean, he's not that kind of an impact player. He's going to be very good, but not like that. Um, I I don't know. I mean, I think we have to see. And, and if what Chris said earlier is true – you know, playing kind of that conference schedule and more of a limited non-conference. Like, how, how many matches outdoors are they really going to play? I mean, that that could yeah. be a question right there. Like, are they going to get enough matches outdoors so when they go to NCAAs, are they truly prepared? Like, that could be even a bigger question mark, you know, rather than saying, hey, are they good enough to win outdoors? Of course they're good enough to win outdoors. When you've got guys like Kingsley, McNally, see, like, they can win outdoors. Like, I'm not worried about that. Last year, it was a struggle in those couple of matches, but they probably would have corrected that, and they would have gotten better outdoors, and they would have been ready to go in the postseason. I think they can do that again this year, but if they don't play any outdoor matches, then what? You have to roll into the quarterfinals of the NCAAs without really any outdoor experience? That's not a good thing. So, I don't know. Those questions do remain, and until I see it, you know, 
that's where I'll stand. It's a really good point, man. And Chris, we know Coach Tucker gets as creative as anyone out there, right? He'll find the matches if they're there to be played for the Buckeyes indoors, outdoors against the best competition possible. He'll try to make it happen. But same question to you. We've we've been burned by the Buckeyes before, right? They they only lose matches with J.J. Wolf out during that 2019 season. Then they get to NCAAs, get upset by a pesky UNC team who obviously has essentially everyone back from that roster. And, you know, uh, I, I mean... Look, the the misclaimer that Ty Tucker's team have been anything but exceptional is obviously something we don't tolerate here at Cracked Rackets. Yeah, they've lost semifinal matches against Virginia's and finals against Wake Forest, but these are some of the best college tennis teams you're talking about of the 21st century, and Ohio State is always in the mix. But when you look at the broader landscape, and just again for all of you listeners, Maddie and I have Ohio State as number four. Chris has them as number three on aggregate. They're the number four school in our rankings. Uh, Chris, again, what has to go right for the Buckeyes to win the national championship? Uh, how are your thoughts on them competing outdoors compared to some of these other top contenders? Yeah, I mean, it's... I. It's going to be tough. It's not that it can't be done. It'd be great if it rained for him at NCAAs. Uh, but uh, you know, <laughs> but I'm, I'm with Maddie because I actually, so so the tournament I was at this weekend had several kids from the Big Ten <clears throat> there, and they all told me they were playing a Big Ten-only schedule, and that was it. That's all they were getting. So I don't know, right? I'm I'm dying to your, to your lead-in to the entire podcast that we talked about. I'm dying to see those schedules come out to see really what Coach Tucker can get in. But I'm afraid that what we're going to see is, yes, he gets some folks that can come to Ohio State, potentially. And uh, maybe not even that, but I think he, there he may, maybe he can. But if it's early season and they're coming there, it's indoors. And that's not going to show us any of the outdoor stuff. And if all he does is the outdoor schedule is all Big Ten teams, I mean, let's be honest, that Big Ten East after Michigan, there's not a lot of pressure on them. Uh, so I don't see, and and then you know, and then we have the same questions about Michigan, right? Uh, as, as far as indoor outdoor, so I think that would be actually a pretty harmful thing for them to have to play an outdoor schedule that had only Big Ten teams and then roll into NCAA's having just Big Ten foes on their outdoor schedule. And and I think that's probably what we end up seeing should should we get there. Uh, there you go again. Uh, I almost did an East Coast accent. Hold on, I'm trying to assume my Ty Tucker impersonation. Oh, there you go again, Chris. You you have so much fun the first 30 minutes, and then you always got to throw an oddball out there at the end. Uh, no, you, you haven't seen my personal rankings where we have Penn State as the number 16 team in the country, and we have yeah. Rutgers. They're on the rise. They don't even have a program, but to us, they do. Um, and it's just, no, I mean, look. It's called the Blue and Gray Invitational, right? The one that Auburn does or the one that Alabama Alabama, does or whatever. It would not shock me if we see, like, 17 different Scarlet and Gray Invitationals over the course of the season. (laughs) Ty Tucker going to bring a new meaning to the word hidden dual match. He's going to be hiding it from all of us. Um, No, I think, yeah, it is a concern. Like, this this Ohio State team, it's like a fine bottle of wine. It deserves to breathe nationally. It deserves to see the best teams in the country, as they so often do, travel to Texas, travel to A&M, Georgia, Stanford, all of the stops. That's why we love to see this team get battle-tested throughout the season. 
But that being said, I mean, look, let's make some predictions for how they set up nationally. Again, we have them as a national title contender. I have completely lost track, Maddie, of if I've hit my four-school quota yet for who's going to make the semifinals. But uh, what do you think in terms of the outlook for this team? Do you see them maybe winning a national indoor title, winning a national championship? Certainly, I imagine Big Ten champs. What do you like the breakdown for the Buckeyes? Yeah, I mean, one thing I've learned— over all of these years is to never pick against Ty Tucker and Ohio State in the Big Ten. So I won't be doing that. Uh, They will win the conference, as they always do. As long as Ty Tucker's coaching there, I'm going to pick Ohio State to win, and I'm probably going to be right every single time. The only way that I may pick against the Buckeyes would be if, like, 10 of their players ended up, like, breaking their leg or something, and, you know, they had to get all these (laughs) walk-ons. Then maybe, maybe... I would go in a different direction, but I'm going to clearly have Ohio State as my favorite to win the conference. They'll do it again this year, no question. In terms of the national landscape, I think they're a Final Four team. I mean, I I do believe, you know, I had them at number four in my rankings, but also like some of these other top contenders that we have talked about already, you know, like a USC last week or some of these teams that we may talk about in the coming weeks here – I think it could go one of two ways. Like, I wouldn't be shocked to see them go all all the way, right? I mean, if things break right, they stay healthy. You know, J.J. Tracy comes in and improves and is rock solid in there. They could go all the way to the national championship, and that would not surprise me. They have the talent to do it. But it also wouldn't surprise me if they bowed out in the quarterfinals and finished top eight because, again— they may not they may not really play well outdoors you know we don't know they could struggle there there's so many other teams that have depth that have experience that have as much talent as ohio state does so depending on their matchup in that quarterfinal round i mean it would not completely shock me if they exited in the final eight in the quarterfinals so i'm going to put them in my final four i think that's where they finish but they could take it one step further and go to the final match or I think they could bow out a little early. None of those options would shock me. Yeah, I think you make some really great points, Matt. And, of course, I have plenty of things to respond with. But I feel like I've given enough monologues on this show. So, Chris, your thoughts on you know Ohio State, where they fare nationally, and just kind of the, the broader picture, as Maddie brought up. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm with Maddie and what could happen. In my mind, though, I've, I've got them. And, obviously, it, it depends on who they play. I've got them going to the semifinals and, you know, kind of ranking wise, I had, I had USC two with them three, which means they would play in that semifinal match. And I would have USC outdoors coming out of that match. And, you know, it's tough because we want to get enamored with some of these teams that maybe haven't quite been there recently, like the wakes, like the Baylor's, like even the Stanford with the top recruiting class. And we want to get all excited about them and put them up there. And we have to some extent, but you just can't get away from the fact that you've got a team full of guys that it's the same guys plus one, nobody left. And they were already a top four team, you know, last year, how it's, you know, you can't get too overexcited about, about newcomers into the mix. So I've got to stick with the tried and true and say that I, I think the Buckeyes make the semifinals, uh, and to me, I think that's where they bow out. But but I'm with Maddie. Would I be shocked if they lost a round before that? No. Would I be shocked if they made the finals? No. I mean, I, it could go either way. But but my call is the semifinals, uh, and, and that's where it ends. 
So let's say, Chris, as by our rankings and everything stays to form, and in the quarterfinals, outdoors, it's number four Ohio State versus number five USC. Which way would you lean in that scenario? Oh, in that scenario, I'm taking USC. Which is exactly the point I agree with. It literally depends on matchups. It literally will depend on how things break. Now, the match experience of the Buckeyes, let's say they matched up with a Stanford, you probably lean Ohio State because, again, McNally, Seelig, the doubles point, you like to think in a big moment like that, okay, we can turn to those three. We just have to find one more after that. How many, do we have track of how many semifinal predictions I've made so far? Do I am I 20, at the six mark yet? Twenty twenty seven. Yeah. I was gonna say how many pods have we done? Seven? So yeah. probably seven yeah, for all, seven this far. <laughs> yeah, I predicted every team except Stanford, who's definitely gonna make it. Um <laughs> I don't know, man. I mean the Buckeyes are really, really good, but we did see them struggle outside, and I still love Michigan, and I think this is the season we could if we didn't have to play them twice, that's the problem. Also, by the way, Illinois— That's blasphemy, it, Gruskin. That's absolute blasphemy. Uh, Don't say that. Well, I just—I want to also point out that Illinois, I think Kovacevic is coming back, so they essentially get a mulligan on, uh, on 2020. They were like, okay, that didn't work. We're just all going to forget that happened, right? Like, all of you, just out of the brain, well, flushed, gone. Gruskin, even if Kovacevic wasn't coming back— it's still a mulligan. It was so bad, it just wouldn't be as good of a mulligan. <laughs> yeah, it's a, exactly, exactly. It's a much better mulligan. Um, yeah. But you don't uh, have Michigan in your top four. How can you all of a sudden put them in the semifinals? Come on, they're out. Right. Move on. Uh, UNC, because we've given away, they're our number one school. Uh, probably yeah, those but- other two. Yeah. I mean, does this come down to a conversation of am I more afraid of Brett Macy or Ty Tucker? And it's yeah, like, exactly. I think your, that answers, that answers pretty exactly, Your rankings are exactly the question you just posed to me. USC, Ohio State at 4-5. That's your rankings. Who are you taking? I well, the thing is... Uh, <laughs> I'll take the Buckeyes to make the semifinals. Fine, fine. I'll take all of our top four schools, but I've said that about 25 schools. So, like, yes, I think to Maddie's point, lower bounds is quarterfinals. If they lose in the round of 16, I will be shocked. Quarterfinals or further is the expectation. And anything after the quarterfinals for this season for every team not named UNC is really gravy because there are so many exceptional teams this season. I do think UNC, though, anything less than the final, like if they make the final and lose, whatever, but anything less than making the final i'd be very shocked about north carolina chris sorry if i cut you off you you just i just want to make sure i heard that right you just said you'll take our top four to be the semifinals yeah i hear that that's right? what he said I, yeah the top four i just want to make sure that i heard that right because i know we're on a pod talking about ohio state i want to make sure coach macy heard that he's out yeah but you know what the best news is is two months from now no one will remember this <laughs> No one, no, not a soul. Oh, I guarantee you, the, I guarantee you, those coaches are going to remember it, Gruskin. Well, because Chris will snitch me out. He'll be like, "You're not going to believe what Gruskin I, did." I, I, uh, will, no. I will hunt down the pod, find the find the audio, and tweet it. There's no doubt. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm cool with that. All right. Let me also just say, I've created this persona that I'm not fond of Chris. I'm very fond of Chris. Like, let's be clear here. <laughs> the good news is he knows.
post that so I don't have to worry about making the jokes. But for some reason in the holiday spirit, I'm feeling like that was mean. Uh, I'm very <laughs> fond of Chris. Maddie less so after he told me he likes Nick more, but definitely very fond still of Chris. I feel well, like I was gonna, I was gonna like, say the same thing, Grusk, and I feel like there may be a perception out there that I'm not too fond of you when really <laughs> <laughs> based on the way that we always go back and forth that's half the fun of it yeah i agree we, yeah, can we, we have no, sorry, chris and sing kumbaya yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah no i mean maddie i agree like yeah you, again i'm well aware yes i'm I'm well aware that we wouldn't do this if it wasn't so much goddamn fun every time i mean for literally we started the people don't know that the mini break podcast the mini break podcast is the fruit of our australian open daily coverage that we were like we should probably just do this all of the time and it was just like okay let's do it all the time but yeah look i'm gonna as the editor-in-chief of Cracked Rackets, I'm just going to stick with the Cracked Rackets poll. And I'm going to say that the final Cracked Rackets poll heading into May will be my predictions for who's going to make the semifinals. Whoever we all have as our top four in that final post-regular season poll, I'll stick with that. But it's going to be fluid until then. It'll be very, very fluid. But, of course, again, Ohio State coming in at number four on our rankings. Matt and I have them fourth on our personal list. Chris has them number three. Regardless, we all know it is going to be an exciting season in Columbus. And again, if you want to hear more about the Buckeyes, go check out Chris and my conversation with head coach Ty Tucker. Uh, It is always fun when we get Ty on the show. And I brought back out the poetry for Coach Tucker because I really think I nailed that intro last year, figured we'd stick with it this year. He enjoyed it. I know all of you listeners will enjoy it as well. And then, of course, go read Matt's breakdown of the Buckeyes on the website, CrackRackets.com. Of course, again, three schools left to go. Three weeks until we are at ITA kickoff weekend, something all of us can get excited about. If you have missed any episode in our College Contender Series, again, go to the website, CrackRackets.com. Shout out, as always, to the incredible work of our super producers, Max Flickner and Daniel Westoff, who, as always, have a f- of an editing job to do day in, day out, making all of this content possible. Uh, with that in mind, Maddie, Chris, any final thoughts on the Buckeyes? No, I think we've hit just about everything. I'll just give a shout out to our listeners, everybody. Happy holidays, and that's it. Chris? My only final thought, Gruskin, let's see if you can do as well as I did. OH. <laughs> <laughs> I Come owe on, you something else. <laughs> I owe you something else. I owe you something else. I can't do it. I didn't do it on the pod either. It was so great too. I go, Coach, can I get a go bucks from you? He goes, OH, and then there's silence. And then thankfully, again, <laughs> people say I'm not fond of you. Chris goes, I owe, and he chimed in. And, and I was like, oh, thank God Chris did that. Otherwise, it would have been way too awkward. Uh, but I can't do that. I am a Wolverine. Like, let's be clear. I mean – First of all, I don't think I have to get clear. I think all of our listeners are well aware of my allegiances. But there is a misnomer that I don't cheer for the Buckeyes. That's untrue. I think all of you guys know. I, you know, my fondness for guys like Torpegard, Rolla, Metka, Rolf Steinbeck, Hunter Callahan. I'll go through the lineup. Like, I, I can go Ohio State shot for shot with anyone. But, uh, again, the Buckeyes number four on our list. And, yes, that was a very fun interview with Coach Tucker. So go check that out. But with that in mind, for my wonderful co-hosts, Matt Stachowiak, Chris Helioris, our super producers, Max Flinger and Daniel Westoff, our friends at DraftKings, and all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. Maddie, Chris, what do we tell our listeners? Hey. hey. Great, Great shot. shot. And we will see you all next time. Thanks, everyone. <laughs>